If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Tonight, we are in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 22. We've been in the book of Ephesians for some time now. Wasn't last week fun? We had all the preachers tag team preaching. Uh, we had about six guys that took about five minutes each and uh, preached a little bit. It was wonderful. Great time. Miss Velma told me that we need to do that more often, and so um, I'm going to submit to her and say, yes, ma'am, we will do that. Thank you, Candice. Wow. This is like first-class service. So being that we got into where we're, we got into this verse, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> What's wrong with that being a favorite verse? It's the Word of God. You act like I'm some kind of chauvinist up here. It's my favorite verse, too. <laughs> no, and I, I wanted to, I told Heather, I said, you know, sweetheart, it'd be great if you would help me teach this tonight. And uh, she said, I thought you'd never ask. And uh, so we're going to share together. And we've been studying this, this passage of Scripture together. We're going to finish out chapter 5 tonight. And um, this will apply to you whether you're married or not, okay? But especially if you are married, um, there's, some, there's some really great truths here. And we're going to help, help just unfold the truth of this Scripture tonight. There's been a lot of... A lot of misdealings with this scripture. And there's been a lot of hammers pounded on people over this scripture. And a lot of misconception. And uh, the word of God is not, not, you know, God is not the author of confusion. Right? And so, or manipulation. Or manipulation. That's exactly right. So he sent his, his word. And what his word does is it washes us clean. Jesus said, you're clean by my word. That's what he told his disciples. And so we're going to just we're just going to let the Bible speak tonight. I love the scriptures. You know the Bible will interpret itself. It will speak for itself and it will interpret itself. That you just got to stay in it. You just have to be diligent to study the scriptures and learn how it will interpret itself. It 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 is a full circle truth. It's a full it's it's the total answer. It's the total package. And God revealed his will to us through his word and and it's especially concerning the husband and wife. This is a really beautiful piece of this chapter. And uh, because of what it reflects, and we'll get into that in a moment, there's such an eternal meaning here, such a wonderful purpose to the relationship of a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And uh, I'm excited to delve into this with uh, my sweetheart. And uh, as a matter of fact, honey, why don't you just start in verse 22? Yeah, go ahead. Huh? Whatever you want to do. We'll start with verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. We have a problem with the word submit in our culture today. Um, Actually, a lot of, of our culture has a problem with authority in general. And God designed authority. God designed authority for a reason. Yeah. And the word submit is not the word obey. It's submit. It can only be done by the submitter. It can only be, the decision to submit can only be made by the one who is doing the submitting. Otherwise, it's obedience. Our children are to obey us, but submission comes when there's not necessarily agreement, but you submit anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
let me point out that in verse 22 it says, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I know that sometimes women are guilt, more guilty of this than men, but we compare our situation to other, other couples' situations. Mm-hmm. We think, well, if only my husband treated me like that husband treats that wife, or if only I was as pretty as that lady as my husband would treat me better, or whatever it is, you are to submit to your, your husband, and, yeah. and your household is to be run as you submitted to your only your husband. And um, that goes both directions, though. Ladies, if your husband has a problem with the way that you dress or the way that you act, then, then you should discuss that. But you're not submitted to anybody else's husband. It doesn't matter if they think that the way that you behave or the fact that you work full-time and you have children or the fact that you don't cook every meal at home. That shouldn't matter whether or not anybody else's husband thinks that that's okay. And sometimes we fall into that trap of comparison because we hear other husbands talk about how their wives are such good cooks. And, oh, man, my wife looks good. She's lost weight and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Even after she had kids, she, you know. And we start to compare ourselves with a standard that we're not supposed to be comparing ourselves to. Um, I also wanted to point out about as far as God's design of authority is we, we tend to hear the word authority or we tend to hear the word submission and we cringe. Well, my, my personal view on that is that you're too focused on yourself if you have a problem with authority or submission. Because the truth of the matter is the reason that that word would scare you is because you're afraid what you're going to lose in the deal or the authority that you're not going to have in this relationship. And the truth of the matter is as a married couple, you're mm-hmm. supposed to esteem each other higher than yourselves. And so being submissive, you should be totally okay with. It's that fear of not being treated right or not being, uh, not being able to control a certain situation that causes us to to be scared of that word. Let me interject here for a moment. Okay. Um, the, uh, and part of that problem is, and a lot of the excuse that's used is that, that, that people have abused their authority. They've, they've taken it too far or they've, they've manipulated and things like that. Well, that, that does not mean that we just stop submitting just because that, that has happened, right? I mean, how many of you know that the gospel gets preached wrong every day? So do we just quit preaching the gospel because it's being done wrong? No, we all the more preach the gospel. So we all the more live according to what the scripture says. I mean, shine what everybody else does. We live by the scripture. What does the scripture say? And that's what I'm going to do. This is God's system. I mean, this is his word coming to us, right? And, and the heart must be set on whatever you say, Lord. Not whatever I feel, not whatever I think, not whatever my denomination, or my creed, my doctrine says, whatever the, the book says. And, 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 and I've said this to you before, I'm going to continue to say this, but that real Christian maturity starts when you stop arguing with God. And you just submit to his word. You just say, yes, I yield to that. I don't like it, but I yield to it. I mean, I, 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 you know, Mark Twain, I think it was that said that it's not the scriptures that I don't understand that bother me so much. It's the ones that I do understand that bother me so much. You know, there's, there's those verses of scripture like that turn the other cheek verse. I don't like that verse. I really don't appreciate that verse at all. I mean, it just does not satisfy my flesh whatsoever. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, there are these verses in the Bible you just go, uh, okay, just skip over. Uh, okay, let's go over to, I can do all things through Christ. I like that one a lot. 
right? Uh, but it's important that we receive all of the scripture. And what I, I love this. Um, it says, to submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, understanding that there, this is where that eternal purpose comes in. This is where we understand that our life is not about us. Our life is found in Him. In Him we live. In Him we move. In Him we have our being, right? And so we submit to, you, the wives submit to her husbands as to the Lord. So you, you have to see the, 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 the Christ behind it, behind this marriage. You have to see Jesus risen from the dead, ruling and reigning behind this husband of yours, all right? And that you're following him, his way of relating to your husband because it's honoring him, because you're doing it as unto him. Hallelujah. And so this, this, this will help your marriage have a whole lot more meaning when you're not looking at this person so much, but who is in this person. Hallelujah. We wrestle not with wife. We wrestle not with husband, right? We're not contending with one another. We, all, we know who our enemy is, and we know who our victor is, right? All right, uh, sweetheart, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to just take over there. Got to preach a little bit. I'm submitted. Um, <laughs> uh, the other problem that we tend to have with authority or the idea of authority is we don't recognize the responsibility that the authority in our life has. Um, with authority comes great responsibility, and uh, we teach our children that with privilege comes great responsibility. You know, uh, when our kids get, get to the age to drive, they have to prove themselves responsible enough to have the responsibility of that privilege. And um, it's the same with authority in our life. I was telling Eric that I saw this picture when I was reading over this earlier and studying it of... Um, a, a man cleaving to his wife after he's left his mother and father's home. He's, he's stepping out and developing his own authority or headship. And I just saw this picture of this man with this, this authority head. or this head developing. And it's, <laughs> and it's growing, you know, his authority on his own is growing out from underneath his, his parents' mm -hmm. covering. And the, the reason he has to cleave to his wife is to pull her in next to him to support that authority that he's mm. been given. And so that's what we're to do when we submit to the authority of our husbands. We're there to support this responsibility that he has. You know, there's never once that I've ever had to wonder if I'm going to be taken care of or provided for, even if it was through me having to get a job and helping support the the financial well-being of the household, but I've always supported his authority by whatever means were necessary at the time. Some people, and it's like I said, different for every, every family or every couple, how that looks, but um, we're there to be a support for that authority and that headship that he's been given. And guys, I want to say this too. You don't have to prove your authority by telling her you're the boss. Amen. 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 Hey, I've done it. It don't work. I've said it. I've tried to remind her of who she is and who I am. And that was just stupid Eric Holler. All right? That is, that is not scriptural. And it's definitely not respecting and honoring my wife. And I've found that if I just be who I am, she'll follow. And she loves to. 
and she's happy to. For, her, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the, as the church is submitted, this, this subject word is the very same word for wives submit to your own husband, very same word. Now, she said it's not obedience. It's, that's not the number one definition. It, in, obedience is definitely part of the definition of submission, as we all know. But the number one definition of submission here is to place oneself under. To place oneself under. And I, I really love that, that, that definition. That, uh, even as the church has placed itself under Christ, let the wives be to their own, again, own husbands in everything. Now, that's the, there's the rub right there. Everything. Right? Because it's not telling the, the wives to submit the husband whenever he's actually doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right? Take your Bible, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3 for a moment. Is this okay, guys? Yes. All right. 1 Peter 3, let's look at verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, even if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, that is reverence, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. It's saying don't, it's not saying don't put on makeup, please put on makeup. It's not saying don't do those things. It's saying don't. Only do those things. Don't just merely let your beauty be this outward expression. Amen? Arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine and pro. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. Listen to this. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and, let's hear it, ladies, quiet spirit. See, which is very precious in the sight of God. Wow. This is precious to God. This is precious to God. Nagging the husband, telling him, you ought to be the head of this house. I don't know why. You, I don't ever see you read your Bible. I don't ever see you pray. Man, it caught totally quiet in this room all of a sudden. Right? Right? That's not how the Bible says that, that this is how this man's going to be won over. But you with a quiet spirit, pleasing God, right? And, and just being submitted anyway. This is how the husband is going to eventually be won. This is, he's going to see, wow, no matter what I do, she just lives for God. And her, what she does, her submission to me and her relation to me is not contingent upon what I do, but it's who she is in relationship to God. This is powerful. And I, I, I want to say this. Now, I don't go to any Bible study, the women's Bible studies, well, I'm not invited. And number two, I don't want to go. But uh, I, I'm not saying this happens about, but I know this does happen when, when ladies get together from time to time in a, in a prayer group and they want to pray and, and they'll say things like this. You've got to be careful, ladies. Pray for my husband that he'll be the spiritual head that he needs to be. Pray for my husband that he'll, he'll finally do what he needs to do. So that, I can, so that I can serve him like I want, so that, I can, so that we can have the kind of marriage we want. Pray that my husband would do this. 
That is, that's not good. That's not good. Mm -mm. Pray for me that I'll follow what the Word of God says. No matter what my husband does. Pray for me that I can say the right kinds of things at the right kind of times. That God will give me the wisdom to be the kind of wife that God's called me to be. Because I want to win this man over. Whole different attitude, whole different feel. All right? One is a manipulative thing, and the other is a submitted thing. All right? Amen. Okay. You know, I was thinking about <laughs> my grandmother, my grandma Holler, who's still alive, but my grandpa went to heaven back in 2006, and she is really the, the matriarch of, of faith for our family. My grandpa was, was a, a Christian, but many years he, he, he wasn't walking with God. Um, he had given his life to the Lord as a young man, but he just wasn't, wasn't submitting to the Lord. and just was, He was kind of rough. And, uh, but in later years of his life, he uh, became a jail preacher and uh, served the Lord for the rest of his life. He was really an amazing man, very hard worker, but he was very harsh. And my grandmother was very tenderhearted. She prayed a lot. I mean, if I, there's one thing about my grandma that I know that I know that I know. We don't agree on, all, on our, all our theology, but that woman can outpray me in a moment. I mean, she just has sought God with tears and on her knees for years and years and years. She, she has prayed for us, prayed for our family, and she's just an incredible testimony of, of somebody who's committed to prayer. Um, but she... Uh, I can even remember as a child, one of the most comforting things. I loved to spend the night at Grandma's house. Now, out there in Thackerville, before the casino was there and all those lights, uh, it used to be dark at night, and you could actually see all the stars. And I'd lay in, lay in there, and she had two couches, or they call them divans, these two that, that were sleeper couches, and we'd pull all, them out in the living room, and all the grandkids lay out there. you know. But when the lights went out, I mean, it got dark in there. And all you could hear was the grandfather clock. At night, but then there's this other thing that I could hear, and it always brought comfort to me because it, it don't matter how, you know, used to you are to being out in the country and stuff. As a kid, when it gets dark, it just it's just uncomfortable. When you can't see, you know, that sense is taken away from you. But here, in just a few minutes, things would quieten down, and I would hear my grandmother walk in the hallway right next to the living room. Couldn't see her because it was so dark, but I would hear this. That's all I would hear, her whisper in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you what, as soon as that name began to fill up the room, this comfort and peace come over me and just go right to sleep. My grandmother was verbally abused by my grandfather for many years. And he would just say the meanest things to her, and it would just tear her up. And she would go to God, and she said, I would just feel so sorry for myself. And this happened for a long time. She said, finally, one day I was in there doing my ordinary thing. My James Holler had lashed out at her and accused her or whatever, you know, and I, you know, just said all kinds of terrible things to her. And she said, I'm in there and I'm crying out to God. Why did you, why am I married to this man? You know, all the same, th same thing. And finally the Lord said, hey, how long are you going to feel sorry for yourself? And she said, when this happened, it's just like I snapped out of it finally. And this joy came up welling up in me. And she said, and when your grandpa got off work, she's told me this story, I don't know how many times. When he got off work, 
He walked in the door, and the first thing he started doing was started accusing me and just bashing me. And she said, all of a sudden, for the first time, the Lord, she said, the Lord had to do this. I saw a teddy bear in front of his face, a teddy bear's face, and it was talking. It was, and she said, I just start laughing out loud seeing this, hearing this voice and seeing a teddy bear's face. And she said, he got, he, he got angry. He said, why are you laughing? She said, you can't hurt me anymore. You just can't hurt me anymore. What do you want for supper? He couldn't believe what he saw. She didn't run off crying. She stood there and smiled at him and started serving him. And it wasn't too much longer before my grandfather got himself back in church and serving God and living for God and lived the rest of his days for the Lord. And I believe that that moment right there is how that all began. She just submitted to the word, submitted to her husband, and she won him over. Amen. The word works, but you've got to work the word. Amen. You've got to be more convinced of the word than you are of your own feelings, of your own emotions, of your own thoughts on this. You've got to be more convinced of the word because it's not easy staying submitted. It's not easy staying on it, staying in faith. But you know what? If you'll do it, you will win. You will have the victory every time. Okay, let's continue. Hmm? Where are we? Uh, for in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God, verse 5, also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah... Oh, well, we're back over in... I'm sorry. I, for, I'm in Peter, ain't I? Yeah, go back to Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians. Sorry. I thought we were back in Ephesians. One thing after reading this this section of scripture is when you really study the section of scripture, the responsibility is so much more on the husband than it is the wife. I don't even know why this has been intimidating for wives for so long. (laughs) I look at this and I just think, how can this section of scripture be chauvinistic? It's not. The responsibility on the husband is so much Mm -hmm. greater than it is the wife in the first place. So I think that, you know, that the manipulation that's come with that scripture, wives, submit yourself to your husband and the way that it's been taught or just thought about takes away from the requirement on the husband and the mm-hmm. head of the household that is in this, this passage Read of that part. Which part? Verse 25. Okay. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Guys, that's a tall order, isn't it? that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, Mm. not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now again, here he says, husbands love your wives just as Christ. Here it is. We have to see Christ here. Okay? Just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself. That word gave. I want to read you the definition of that in the Greek. Listen to this. Gave to give into the hands of another. To give over into one's power or use. That sounds a little bit like submission to me. Huh? Hmm? So there's some submitting on the husband's part too. Gave himself for her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now look, 
Love your wife. If I were to ask Christian husbands, what is your number one priority as a husband? They might say something like, be the spiritual leader. No, that's not the number one priority. Well, provide for my family, because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. That's true, but that ain't number one. Love your wife. Love your wife. Because if it's all about you working, then that's all your relationship will be about. What you can give to them and what they can get from you. Because the truth is, if you're all about just working and providing, how many of you guys know, I mean, we're sensible enough to know that when you get off of work, you're too tired to spend time loving your wife. You just want to veg out in front of the TV. You don't, oh, you're tired. You're, you're, you're checked out. You're ready to go to bed and then start the next day over providing for the family. Right? And if it's all about that, if that's the most important thing, then you're missing out on the power of this verse here to love your wife. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. This is so beautiful. Now, look at what this says. That he might present to, uh, uh, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. Remember what we said earlier when Jesus told his disciples, you are already clean by the word. So he cleanses us. This is so powerful. He cleanses his church by his word. All right? That he may present to himself a glorious church. Well, how does he do that? Well, he says things like, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are an overcomer because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He begins to build her up, his church, with his word so that he can present her to himself glorious, not imperfect, without spot or wrinkle. See, if you're just talking about her flaws, guys, if all you're talking, man, I wish you, if you could sure lose some weight, I wish you would cook like this and I wish you would you need to do this and you need if this is what you see those words are going to are going to affect her and what words you speak over her are the words that she will live by so you have to elevate her with your words even as Christ elevates his own church with his word hallelujah what do you want to see you want to present to yourself a glorious bride, a beautiful bride without spot or wrinkle she might have spots and wrinkles but you don't have to talk about them Amen? Amen? You don't have to talk about them. Hallelujah. This is, the, this is how she can live at her potential, what you say. Because the truth is, gentlemen, she's hanging on your words more than she is anybody else's. She wants to know what you think. What you say matters to her the most. Amen. Go ahead, sweetheart. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Mm. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Do that definition as you did earlier. That's good. Did I throw you off? Mm -hmm. I don't have it anymore. Oh, you don't have it anymore? Mm -mm. Well, here, look at this. I have the Greek right there. Um, Look at that to nourish up to maturity. Yeah, you just see it. Okay. 
For no one hates it, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does. I love that. Isn't that beautiful that Jesus nourishes and cherishes his church? Well, what a kind and loving God that we have. It saddens me when preachers stand in the pulpits and beat their church up. And they're representing Jesus. They're the ministry of Jesus to the church. Why in the world are they standing up there taking the time to beat on the church instead of nourishing it and cherishing it? Hallelujah. This is, our, this is what we're called to do. Hey, fella, you've got to lay your feelings aside and preach the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Mm. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Mm -hmm. The other thing for wives is the good thing about it is you don't have to submit according to their ability or, or what they've earned, you submit to them out of respect and honor for God. Yes. And that makes it so much easier, regardless of the rocky times or the, the times that you feel like that they don't know what they're doing. I mean, am I the only one that's felt like this? <laughs> but, you know, there's times where you feel like you could do it better or you maybe know a different way that's better. And we're not submitting to their head knowledge. We're submitting because we trust God in our relationship. And so it's easier to, uh, to get our heads out of the mix when we remind ourselves, I don't, I don't submit to this man because I think he has all the knowledge and wisdom in the world. I submit to him because I trust God in our situation. Yeah. And God will be at work in your situation yeah. when you submit to your husband, regardless of what you feel like he may or may not know or the decisions he may not make, may or may not make like you would. Yeah. Yeah. The number one destroyer of a marriage is self. Period. The moment you lose sight of this, this vision right here, Christ and his church, is the moment that you set yourself up for failure. So see the eternal purpose. Paul says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. What a great thing. Don't forget, in that garden, God took, put that man in a deep sleep, and he took that rib from his side, and he formed and fashioned a bride for Adam. And then on that cross at Calvary, the son of the living God, the last Adam, breathed his last and went into a deep sleep. And a Roman soldier opened up his side. And out of that side, two things flowed out, the Bible says, blood and water. Blood and water are the two things that are present at birth. And at that moment, the church of the living God was born. The bride of Christ out of his side. That's the reason God did that in the garden, to show us Jesus and his church. What an amazing, amazing thing. See, that's why when, when we all go to heaven, we're not going to be married to each other. Boy, I know we'd all, we want to sing those Disney songs and act like we're going to be married forever. But that's just not reality. All right? Till death do us part. And then when that happens, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be so enamored with Christ that 
what we had down here in a marriage isn't even going to compare. We're all going to be married to him. It's hard to wrap our minds around that because we love our spouse so much and we just want to be with them forever. We see ourselves going through the, ourselves going through the pearly gates with our wife and our kids, right? But, but that's just not how it's going to be. Jesus, Jesus told, he explained this. when Remember when the Sadducees came up to him and they said, because they don't believe in the resurrection, and they said, okay, let's, let's give you a scenario here, Rabbi, that this man had a wife and he didn't give her any sons or she didn't give him any sons, and then he died, and then his brother then took her as his wife, and then he didn't have any sons, and then he died, and then so it went seven brothers married the same woman. <laughs> Poor guys, man. These guys must have been some ugly dudes, right? They only can only attract one woman. But they all, and he said none of them, none of them had children, and so in the resurrection, whose wife will she be if she was married to all seven? Jesus said, you don't even know the Scriptures. You don't even know the Scriptures. Nobody's going to be married up there. They're all, we're all going to be like angels. Oh, wow. Because, see, this thing is really, your, your marriage here is not the eternal thing. This is the picture of the eternal thing. All right? And always keep that before you. This isn't everything. I mean, this is wonderful. Thank God for a husband and wife relationship. I love it. It's to be enjoyed and to enjoy the grace of life together. It, I, I, I just love it. But, God, help us see the greater thing. Help us keep our eyes open on the greater so that we will, we will love our wives like we need to and we'll love our husbands like we need to so that Christ can be revealed in the earth. See, our marriages are the greatest example of Christ in this church. It's the greatest witness that we can give to this world, how we treat our spouses, how we love our wives, and how we raise our children. Amen. Hallelujah. Yep. Um, I just want to encourage each of you. There, there are different cir- circumstances and situations. And ladies, it is still possible to submit to your husband, regardless if you're the breadwinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's, there's all kinds of things that I've heard. Um, growing up, I, my dad made a really good living for a long time, and then he walked away from his job that made a good living, and my mom, in turn, made more money than he, than he did for a long time. And watching her still submit to my dad, my dad decided where that money would go. And now she had the kind of job that the more, she was a hairdresser. So the more she worked, the more money she made and, and uh, that sort of thing. And she, she liked a little bit more of a lavish lifestyle than my dad could care about. Um, so it was up to her as to what bells and whistles we had. But as far as uh, just submitting herself to being a part of contributing to the household however much he saw fit that she do that was perfectly okay with her. And then she was willing to work over and above for whatever extra she wanted. And so there's just a lot of situations and circumstances where you may find yourself um, feeling like you're, you're unable to submit. And that's where you have to remember that you're submitting to the Lord in essence. And um, like I think the unsaved situation that Pastor Eric covered in uh, 1 Peter was probably the hardest one. And if you could submit to a husband that's unsaved, then I'm pretty sure that you're called to submit to your husband whether or not he acts right or not. So um, I just want to encourage you in that, that, that whatever your situation or circumstances, it can be, it can be made right and be in the divine order yeah. of the authority that, that God's placed on a marriage. And also I just wanted to add that um, 
Submitting is just simply saying that this is the position that my husband is in in our household. And when you look at what that position is for him, all we have to do is go, yeah, that's, that's the position I'm putting him in. So the requirements on him are up to him. But it's not a requirement for you to submit. So I just wanted to close with that. Yes, and, your, and our love, we, our love for our wives is not contingent upon whether they submit or not. Right? It's that unconditional love. God loved us anyway, even while we were yet sinners. Right? He demonstrated his love. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. My mom and dad, I'm going to finish with this. <clears throat> when I was 14 years old, I remember standing in the laundry room with my mom. And she said, son, have you ever thought about your birthday compared to our anniversary? And I said, no, what do you mean? She said, well, when were you and my, me and your dad married? And I said, when you were 16. She said, yeah, but you, what month? I, she said, I said, January. And she said, and you were born in August. I said, yeah. And she said, and you weren't premature. And I went, what? <laughs> and she said, and you weren't premature. August is eight months after January. And I was like, oh, what, Mom? I mean, I, I, I freaked out. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Found this out at a, I mean, it never even, I never even thought about it. And I thought about this young couple in Thackerville, Oklahoma, that made a mistake. And had the opportunity to separate and go their, to go their separate ways, to just say, ah. But they, they got married. And they lived with my grandparents because they couldn't afford anything. I mean, they were in high school. And they lived, we all moved in with my grandparents. Of course, I wasn't born yet, but I was there. And the first year... After my mom delivered me, that summer they went into their senior year. And so I lived with my grandparents for a year. I mean, my grandmother was basically my mom through the year. And as I was growing up, <clears throat> I saw my parents go through, I mean, the roughest times. It seemed like some of those nights would never end, the hollering and the screaming and the punching the walls. And I mean, we'd have pictures at odd places in the house because my dad decided to hit the wall, thank God, instead of my mom. But I can remember running into the, into the bedroom while they were fighting, screaming, please stop, please stop. I was terrified as a kid thinking my parents were going to get a divorce. It was the worst. I mean, those were some dark days. You probably never knew any of this. You probably never even heard any of this. But I watched my parents stick it out. I watched them just keep on loving one another. I watched them keep on saying, all right, we're going to stick it out. We're going to, let's make it work. Let's make it work. Let's make it work. When I think about those times now, it all seems like a dream. It doesn't even seem real. Because I see what happened when they stuck it out and when they decided to continue to grow together in their love and just to make it work. 
I mean, because their feelings, they weren't there. Feelings just weren't there. I mean, they, I, I, my mother one day decided she was going to move out to the barn behind our little farmhouse there in Oklahoma. And I can remember, I mean, it scared the crud out of me because my brother and sister, you know, she said, go with me. And I was standing in the house, and, 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 and she was making me make a decision. They were just kids. I mean, they were just kids. Mom, they were, I mean, I kind of grew up with them. I mean, they're just, but I, watching what has developed by sticking it out, by choosing to love anyway, and to work together, and to see that today now, on this side, this example of somebody who just, I mean, just stood in the storm and just stayed with it. Y'all remember that song? Like two sparrows in a hurricane. Trying to find their way. Who was that? Tan, uh, Tanya Tucker sang that? With a head full of dreams and a faith that can move anything. They've heard it's all uphill, but all they know is how they feel. The world says they'll never make it, but love says they will. And so they made it. And I look at our lives, my life, my brother's life, my sister's life. We were all serving God today and in the ministry, not because they made us do it, it's because we wanted to. We watch somebody live the ministry, not just preach the ministry. Watch them work through the stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to just tell you, preachers don't have fairy tale wedding marriages. That is just a lie. Don't ever believe that. It's a lie. All right? Me and Heather, we have not had a fairy tale <laughs> marriage. Uh, we don't have time to get into that, though. <laughs> But uh, next week. <laughs> but I'm, John and Ann Holler are, are shining examples to me as their son yes. Yes. that anything is possible. Yes. Because I, when, I, when I think about what they went through, most people would have said, forget this. I don't have time for this. I don't need this in my life. But choosing to stay together, and now three children and ten grandchildren later, we have a legacy of faith that we're continuing forward. And a praying grandmother, by the way. A praying grandmother. But I think about the goodness of God and how we've seen his strength and love come through the bitterest times and the hardships of life and how we stand today stronger as a result of sticking together. All right? So I want to encourage anything's possible. All right? I come from a home where anything's possible. When it looks like it's all over, it's not. Uh, when you can't see a way out, hey, don't forget, there is always hope. God is still seated on that throne. He's still there. He's not shaken by your situation. Matter of fact, he's the answer right there. And he is your very present help in time of need. So don't ever get to the place where you think, well, it's just not going to work out. No, just say no. No, no, no. Don't ever, don't ever, whenever you go to, into trouble, it's not time to fi go find people that will agree with you. And help you justify why you need to leave this guy or why you need to leave this woman. And, and they all need to just help you feel good about your decision to quit. All right? That's the time to go, what does the word of God say? What does the scripture? I need somebody to help me fight for this marriage. I, there are enough people out there. They'll give you the advice. The guy at, at the office that's been through five marriages, he's happy to give you marital advice. Knucklehead uncle of yours. He's happy to give you marital advice. And I promise you it ain't going to be good. 
Find people that have submitted to the word that have worked it out. Are you hearing me? All right? And let's fight for our marriages. Let's fight for love. Hallelujah. This is our time as the church of the living God. What a time to shine our lights. Hallelujah. What a time to shine for God. I mean, this, that we are living in so much uncertainty, but what a certainty we have in the Scriptures. What a certainty we have in our God. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Amen. And don't ever forget, where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.